How can you not be romantic about baseball? Swinging a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money and broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. You are listening to Booze and Baseball with Eric Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat and sit with us at our bar. Let's talk some ball and uh, Derek. I think we really, more than anything else, need a drink right now based off what fantasy baseball has been doing to the both of us. So what are you drinking this evening? Yeah, so I have a uh, Yingling, Yingling lager here, traditional lager. Best stuff right there. Original amber beer. This is the oldest brewery in America, Yingling. They started selling it in Kansas City and in the Kansas area recently. Um, So it's just, it's, you know... It's not anything like ultra fancy. The way I describe it is it's, to me, it's like the king of domestic beers. It's the oldest brewery. I think if you're, you're having a domestic beer, I think this is on that level, but the best one. So good stuff. A shout out to my uncle Mike because he, uh, he lives in California where they don't obviously brew that. And uh, he has done everything in his power. He knows he can't replicate it, but he's doing everything in his power to try and get as close to replicating that as possible. It's his favorite beer. It's, I think a lot of people's favorite beer. So, yeah, good choice right there. On on my end here, uh, the last time we did our show was right before the Kentucky Derby. Um, and uh, I was introduced to a couple drinks there. Uh, the popular ones, of course, are like the mint julep. You know, you can get an old-fashioned no matter where you go there. But one that I wasn't very familiar with, and it's not crazy by any imagination. Quite frankly, it just it doesn't make sense on paper until you actually drink it. But it's called the Twin Spires, which, of course, is named after the Twin Spires of Churchill Downs. And uh, what is in it is quite shocking. There's not much, as I mentioned. It's lemonade. It's cranberry juice. It's, you know, a cherry. And then it's bourbon. And, you know, you would think to yourself, well, bourbon probably doesn't go that well with it. I was shocked, man. I was drinking these things down. Um, it was dangerous, man. So I decided to make the Twin Spires of my own. So we'll see if it equates. Yeah, it's it, man, it's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. So if you think to yourself, combining bourbon with, you know, a sweeter drink may not taste good. I'm here to tell you you're wrong. Uh, I'm very surprised. And the mint juleps were really good. I told a lot of people told me that they didn't. Uh, necessarily look forward to having them in juleps. I thought they were great. Uh, but of course, let's be honest, nothing beats a good old fashioned. So um, when Derek comes out here for Kentucky Derby number 150, <laughs> we're going to have to get you a, a Twin Spires or seven, I think. 
Okay, I'm I'm down to try both. Those both sounded good. What you're drinking does sound good to me. It, uh, there's a there's a local place here in town that does. Obviously, you know what a Moscow Mule is, but they do different types of mules. So you can get like a bourbon mule. I think they call it the Kentucky Mule, something like that. You need get different types of alcohol, and it sounds kind of similar to that. So I think I'd be on board. Derek's about seven hours away from me, so we're living in a somewhat similar world now, and uh, which is a cool thing. So we're we're around the same type of people, the same types of drinks. Um, so if you're not maybe take our advice on that and uh you may also want to listen to some of the miscues that we've had in fantasy baseball we're going to get to that throughout the show we're also going to talk about the players you may be seeing coming up in fantasy baseball who should you be keeping an eye out for that is all coming up next before we do that we're going to do our chug and look back at its stats we're recording on may the 23rd of 2023 so why don't we just take a look back one year ago because i think it's important to take a look right around now Derek and see some of the players that have been activated or called up in just one day. Let's take a look at some of these. First of all, for the Atlanta Braves, you had Dylan Lee, who is now a serviceable middle reliever. Um, you have Nick Senzel that was activated. We know the history of him constantly having to go up and down with injuries. Uh, the Reds actually activating Albert, Albert Almora Jr., which has kind of fallen off the face of the earth ever since he was with the Chicago Cubs. The Reds had activated Tyler Malley. He was more of a guy that was actually already in that rotation, though, not necessarily coming up. Uh, when you look at the young guys, though, that were coming up, and specifically on this day, I think there was one that really, actually two that stood out to me. Matt Liebertor was a call-up from Memphis, as was his teammate Lars Newtbar. And uh, I know for a lot of fantasy players – Hearing that name now, you're kind of calling him a mainstay in your lineup. So that's one that really stood out to me. Um, on the flip side, you saw the Reds optioning Graham Ashcraft and TJ Friedel. Uh, Ashcraft has kind of struggled recently. Friedel, though, before his injury, was kind of hitting rather consistently. So interesting to see those two names popping up. And then you go down to the rest of the list, and it's a lot of guys that don't really stick out except for yet another Red. That would be Aristides Aquino, who I know Derek has been incredibly high on. Uh, over the last few years, probably not at this point, though. Derek, what sticks out to you from that crew? Well, the Aquino one, he uh, he uh, was just hot for me at the end of one season randomly, and that was kind of fun um, with, you know, just having him at the end of that one season where he had, like, I forget what it was, like eight, nine home runs over, like, a couple-week span or something. That was a ton of fun. But, yeah, I mean, Liberator for me is, is the most interesting, and he just recently got called up again with the Cardinals this year. So I think that's kind of timely there. A guy who – continues to pitch really really well that's a triple a level and he's done some things differently in the minors this year to try to add a little bit more there but every time he comes up to the majors it just doesn't work but in his first start this year with the cardinals he looked really good i think six innings of uh seven strikeout ball he looked really impressive so we'll see if he finally this is the year that he kind of puts it all together he's got a good defense behind him he's in a good pitcher's park in st louis if he can put it together he'll have some good starts over the course of the year in the division that they're in that he becomes somebody that's very interesting kind of long-term. Keep in mind, too, this is just one day that we're talking about with call-ups. So keep in mind that, you know, you're going to see guys getting called up, sent down consistently around this time of year. Even just skipping ahead to one day later, we're talking 364 days ago, uh, a name that Derek and I, I mean, we see this pop off the sheet of paper. It's Jake Berger that was recalled a year ago by the Chicago White Sox. And so that's a name that we kind of were interested in. You saw the Pirates calling up Rosny Contreras, of course, now in that rotation. That was just a, year, a day later. Hal Mitchell 
originally coming up to the Pirates. You now see him, of course, in a different uniform. But, you know, these names just popping up left and right right around now because this is when these organizations start to say, hey, we're going to take a chance with these guys. Um, and uh, I think it's very intriguing as these weeks go on. You as a fantasy player have to be very aware of some of these names because it happens so fast. And then all of a sudden, somebody in your league that's been paying attention for a while scoops these guys up. So with that in mind, that is going to lead to our first major segment of the show. It's called New Drink at the Bar. And it's pretty simple. Who's going to be new to your team? Who's the new guy in the free agency? And therefore, who will be called up or should be called up by now? So we're going to talk about 10 different prospects back and forth. And we're going to discuss simply who are we keeping our eyes on and who do we think we need to be ready to push that add button if you haven't already added them on your fantasy teams whether this be a keeper league or a one-year league it does not matter these guys can produce it for you a year in year out and so we're going to start right down the road from me here in louisville and uh, there are a lot of great players currently in the reds organization but there's one major one that sticks out above among others to me and that's ellie de la cruz uh, derek what's our estimation do we think at this point of him getting called up Well, because the Reds are not really on a timeline of, you know, we're competing right now, I, I don't know that it's anything that I necessarily expect to be super soon. I obviously expect it at some point here in 2023 if he keeps doing what he's doing, which is just sending baseballs into the moon. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think there's a rush there, and, and I don't know if there's anything to do with, like, service time manipulation. Um, obviously, you're – in a tough situation, if you're talking about, because now MLB teams is part of the new CBA. If your player like wins rookie of the year, you get, you know, your extra draft pick compensation and all sort of that stuff to where it's extra valuable. But at this point in time, because we are still, you know, a month and a half into the season and he would have a lot of catching up to do on a guy like Corbin Carroll, maybe that becomes less likely to where you do keep him down in the minors a little bit longer there. So I, I feel like we will see him at some point this year. But I guess I wouldn't be surprised if it's not till like, you know, July or August even. I, I've had a chance to watch Ellie play quite a bit lately. And one thing that I've noticed is his patience at the plate has been the biggest improvement, in my opinion. He's had the raw tools for a while. Uh, the exit velocity we've seen over the last week from both sides of the plate has been elite at this point. He is hitting the ball hard from both sides of the plate he's playing great defense as you mentioned Derek I think at this point it's it's a decision of whether the Reds want to move that quickly um, they did just bring up Matt McClain who was hitting incredibly well also in Louisville and then that'll lead us to another Louisville player we'll talk about in just a bit uh, but I think that ultimately Ellie is going to be the target uh, if you're in fantasy leagues right now and Ellie De La Cruz is available in your league, even if you don't have a spot to stash him other than on your bench, I'm telling you, it's probably worth it to do it right now because the kid can't get any better than where he's at currently. But as Derek mentioned, what's the rush necessarily for the Reds? That's what's hard to figure out at this time. So uh, on that topic, Derek, Christian Encarnacion Strand has been hitting the lights out of the baseball, literally. This dude is hitting bombs to the opposite field. I was at a game the other day and he hit it on at Louisville. They have a, a platform and there's a couple different levels as any other, you know, triple a stadium has he hit it to the very top level. And it was an absolute bomb off of a guy that's pitched in the MLB uh, in prior years. So to see that, you know, we were looking at the numbers of Encarnacion strand 
same situation for him as Ellie De La Cruz? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, in that just, you know, it's, it's no need to rush, I guess, for them. At the same point in time, it feels like that it, with Encarnacion Strand, maybe the timeline is going to be a little sooner. And I don't know if that's from a standpoint of, you know, if Ellie De La Cruz, if, if the view of him as being a long-term shortstop, maybe there's more that you have to count on from the, the defensive side of things that you want to continue ironing stuff out there. Whereas with Encarnacion Strand, because he can be kind of a corner infielder, uh, and specifically, maybe you can play him at first base, makes that transition a little bit easier. So I do expect him to come up in the summer, too. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know, maybe it was like a June call-up or something like that. Yeah, his flexibility, uh, we've seen him play, as you mentioned, from both first and third base. And uh, his defense is exceptional. It really is in both positions. So uh, considering Joey Votto is not healthy, um, I will tell you this. I can easily break this. Joey Votto is in Louisville right now. He's not in Cincinnati. And he's not playing games in Louisville either. He has something going on. Uh, we can't figure out if it's health related, if it's talent related at this moment, whether he feels like he's physically ready to play, um, which side of that is, is the coin on. I don't know, but um, Joey's not healthy or he's not playing well in his eyes or it's a mix of the two. And that could open up the door for Christian Encarnacion Strand to go to Cincinnati. So I, I'm curious to see what happens uh, but that's a huge development um, to keep in mind as well. We're going to go to a player that Derek owns in fantasy baseball, and uh, he's already actually had his chance to be up at the MLB level and then kind of abruptly was sent down. And that is Jordan Walker, who has been ranked by MLB.com as the number one overall pres prospect in baseball. Uh, Derek, I mean, you saw kind of the production that he had before being sent down. Was it surprising to you that he was sent down? And, and at this point, what's the expectation uh, to find him back at the MLB? Yeah, I was I was very surprised. It's not like he was lighting up the world, but I think his uh, WRC plus was around 101, 102. It was basically league average. I guess you could say technically slightly above league average. We're talking about a rookie who's basically a league average player who you're trying to get more at bats to with real feel at the major league level. Like that should be good enough, but I, I guess they needed more from the defense and, and maybe just, I don't know, maturing and, and getting older and learning some extra things, roster crunch sort of stuff for them. Very, very weird in how that all kind of went down. Uh, he is, he's been struggling ever since he went down to AAA. Might be getting a little bit going again now. He just had a big home run the other day. Um, so – I don't know how much like they kind of just shattered his confidence a little to be completely honest. And now he's kind of working back toward getting that. But yeah, this was not the case of like when Joe Adele came up and, and really struggled or when Jared Kellenick came up and really struggled, uh, he was doing just fine. We didn't see really the power in full fledged from what we saw maybe in like spring training, but yeah, I think long-term I'm still fully in on, on Jordan Walker. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have, absolutely. I think the biggest issue also that you're going to see is, the Cardinals have started heating up, right? And so you may see that his position, quite frankly, it may be hard to find one. And so is he getting more starting time, you know, at the minor league level? And that's part of what they want is for him to get constant reps instead of sitting and riding the pine. I don't know. Uh, and, and we're going to stay in the organization because there's a player that very clearly is dealing with that at the moment. It's very hard to get called up to the MLB and have a chance when the guy blocking you happens to be a, a reigning MVP, which is Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, the guy that Goldschmidt's blocking, though, has been absolutely crushing the baseball, Derek. And that would be Luke and Baker. 14 home runs, a 306 average. 
37 RBIs with AAA Memphis. I mean, you look at the strikeouts, they're not terribly bad for what we saw from Baker in previous years, but he's at that age, 26 years old, where, where the production may drop off in the near future. You got to kind of get the advantage of his prime right now, getting him to the MLB. It's a little frightening that they're keeping him down, and this minor league pitching is what he's going to consistently face until he gets the MLB reps. And I just don't know when that's going to happen, but he's doing everything in his power to be able to come up to the MLB. It's just, it's tough that he's being blocked right now by Goldschmidt. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And it's not just that it's, it's that, you know, this roster it's all the way through a roster crunch because right now with Wilson Contreras, his struggles at playing catcher, that makes it so that the Cardinals are having to carry an extra catcher and not another bench hitter. And then on top of that, when you look at the bench hitters, it's like Juan Yepes, who's been, you know, a solid major league hitter. Oscar Mercado, who's only played like six games for them, but has been really, really good. He's in like 506 games, obviously very small sample size. Um, and then you even look at, at the guys where it's like, well, if, if Goldschmidt's, just, uh, Goldschmidt's playing first base, could you DH Luke and Baker? Well, it's like, well, right now, Nolan Gorman's getting a lot of DH opportunities with Wilson Contreras. Like that creates an extra somebody who could fill up DH opportunities. They have a bunch of outfielders between you know, when, when guys get healthy with uh, Newt Barr and O'Neal and, and, you know, possibly if Walker comes up, that there's, there's just, I don't know, there, there almost seems like an opportunity to me, but it's going to take the Cardinals to keep winning. Like, they're, they're starting to play well again now. They could almost use a roster condensing trade where they trade a couple of these guys and create some opportunities for a Luke and Baker, or maybe he's even trade fodder. I, I think I saw the other day there was – the Cardinals were thrown out. There's a name for, like, Shohei Otani. You know, maybe – Something like that makes sense, or not even to that level, but something that they can condense the roster a little bit for. Yeah, they. I mean, this would be the time. You know, and it's just funny yeah. because you look back at the Juan Soto times and the Cardinals held back on trading Dylan Carlson. And what is Carlson doing for them right now, right? I mean, like, you know, it's just – it's hard to kind of fathom what exactly this organization is doing in that – sense because but I think I, I think that's what it's going to take for Luke and Baker he needs a trade to happen whether it's him being traded somewhere else or the Cardinals opening up more roster space for him which means if you're looking at a timeline to me that signals like July I would love to see Luke and Baker randomly traded to the Rockies just so we could see CJ Crone 2.0 that would be pretty dang cool um another prospect that is uh quite frankly one that we know very personally is Keston Hira and Keston at one point I mean, at this point, you can't really call him a prospect, but he's still young, and he was a top prospect for the Brewers that ultimately, after his rookie season, really hasn't lived up to expectation, but he's mashing at this time, Derek. So are we maybe going to see a call-up from him after him being DFA? He, he's at 12 home runs, a 331 average at AAA. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the question there has always been, what's the fit? Where are you going to play him in the field? What's the defense like? But uh, if you're going to be a hit-first guy, might as well be hitting. He's hitting well right now. So no, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you, you know, see him back on a major league roster and hopefully contributing at a high level. A uh, conversation starter for our fantasy baseball group chat seems to be the name Joe Adele. Uh, because Joe Adele yeah. has been hitting the lights out of the baseball. 17 home runs, leads minor leagues right now. Um, and uh, 298 average on top of that. Remember, this guy's still a young prospect. And you thought that there might be an avenue for him to actually come up. He's only 24 years old, but Mickey Moniak now all of a sudden is producing for the angels. And, you know, does it seem like there's a path for him 
to go to the Angels at any point? I would think so, but like I keep thinking so, and I keep thinking every time it's like I am uh, I, I'm Charlie Brown, and the Angels are Lucy with the football, and I'm Charlie Brown, and I'm ready to kick the football, which is Joe Adele having major league success, and it just doesn't work. I get I fall for it every time. I'm like, but dude, look, you see what he's doing in the minors? Then he comes up to the majors and. You know, he has a week where he hits 230. He has, like, one two-hit game. He hits 230, strikes out too much, plays bad defense, and I'm like, oh, you got to go back down. And it's like, can we can we just give this guy a little bit more time? Can we give him a little bit uh, bigger leash? I would love to see it, but at this point, my faith in the Angels has almost gone away from them, and, and maybe deservedly so, but you would think if they're not going to give him that type of faith that, um, I don't know, that maybe – they would trade him at some point. So, so I, I don't know. I feel like when you watch what Jared Kellenick has done this year, it gives me even more hope for guys like this, though, to where I am still in on Joe Adele. Is it at the same price he was, you know, two years ago? No. But I'm still there that he can be a productive major league hitter. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And, I mean, I, I don't know. You can't count out these young kids so early. I, I feel like the safe age to start counting kids out maybe is like 27, 28. So, uh, the MLB is hard, man. The MLB it is it is hard to play Major League Baseball. That game moves faster than any other game that these kids have played before. So it takes some time to adjust. And uh, I agree with you completely. I think that Adele deserves the right to be able to see the light of day on the field. All right, before we move on to pitchers, is there any particular hitter, Derek, that stands out to you that you're surprised hasn't already been called up? Um, yeah, there's there's actually – well, there's one that I'm not surprised but I'm waiting for, which is Kyle Manzardo because that dude is uh, crushed at double-A last year. The average is, is a little lower than maybe you'd like, but he's still crushing overall at triple-A right now. And I'll be interested to see how the Rays can fit him about. They don't really have the openings because they're playing so well and they have a bunch of guys who play well on the corners. You think of Yandy Diaz doing so well. Uh, you think of Isak Paredes doing really well right now. Like, there's not the space, so how do they eventually utilize him will be interesting to me, and what does that do for his timeline? Clearly, we expect him to be a really good player when he comes up. The other one, and this is one that I am a little surprised he isn't up yet, Jordan Westberg for Baltimore. He's hitting 323 in AAA. He's got a OPS, uh, like, right around 1,000, 152 WRC+. plus. He strikes out maybe a little bit more than you would like, but it's also not like an overly large number, at least at AAA. We'll see what it, it is whenever he jumps to the majors. He's hit 12 home runs in 38 games in AAA. So one every like three games. He's got 42 runs driven in in 38 games at AAA. I mean, this guy is just absolutely wrecking AAA pitchers right now at 24 years old. And you look at the Orioles right now. They've been a really good team. And – you know, I, I honestly wonder with Westberg uh, being a third base uh, shortstop type, do you think about at all calling him up and, and demoting Gunnar Henderson, who's really struggled and try to get Gunnar Henderson getting his confidence back? Yeah, I like that a lot. Like as a fantasy baseball owner, Gunnar Henderson has blown my brains out because you know, if you're owning him in a keeper league, you absolutely don't trade that guy, right? Like, unless you get proper value, you don't trade him because you know he's going to be good. But the question is, is that in a year? Is that in three years, right? Like, when, when is that? He's a young kid, and they're not getting production from Henderson at all. I, I love that pick right there, right there, Derek, that uh, Westberg has been hitting the lights out of baseball. At 24 years old, he's right in the heart of what you want for a guy to come up. And 
Um, you've seen this ascension recently. I, I would love to see that as well. I think that that's a good pickup right there. The 323 average stood out to me. And and you mentioned Manzardo, and, and, you know, I think maybe part of it's the Rays' lack of need for an immediate addition to the lineup, as you kind of mentioned. But he has been hitting pretty dang well. Uh, the eight home runs is solid. Uh, across the board, I like the slash line. He gets on base a lot. You know, it's 263 average, but on base at literally 100 points more than that, that that's pretty solid. He slugs a decent amount. Um, I think I could see Manzardo being a September call-up. But uh, Westberg, I, I kind of have to agree. I don't know why he hasn't already been brought up. And uh, it's a little bit surprising that the Orioles wouldn't try to make more of a let's win now while we can move because the AL East is so good, right? Like you can't just sit around and twiddle your thumbs because a team around you is going to improve while you sit and do the same thing. So I, I got to agree. I think Westberg's the one for me out of those two that deserves to be the pretty rather immediate call up and the guy that I could see coming up easily first. Uh, it's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, on the pitching side of things, there are two pitchers that I want to talk about. Um, outside of the fact that we had just mentioned Matt Liebertor, who has seen his time in uh, the MLB. And, and so kind of going off of that, Andrew Abbott, who is also right down the road in Louisville, Kentucky, um, has been pitching at a ridiculous peak strikeouts wise. He is in 40 and two thirds innings pitch, struck out 73 hitters, 73. He's 24 years old. I've watched him pitch twice in person. And he looks a lot like a better version of Kyle Mueller, has filthy stuff. He locates, he hits his spots, and quite frankly, he limits the damage as well. Derek, just looking at the peripheral numbers, is this the kind of guy that the Reds should call up? Because quite frankly, they don't have good pitching. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of wonder about that because of the fact that the caper nine, like you were mentioning, the strikeouts is insane. It's it's funny. At double A this year, he had a 20.7 caper nine. Uh, so far, AAA, it's at 13.3. Last year, he was really good, too. But the problem is, even despite the really good strikeout rates, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a pitch mix thing or what, because I'm looking at his stuff plus number from Eno Saris of The Athletic. It's only a 93.6 so far in just his AAA games this year. And when you look at it, even despite the insane strikeout numbers, He's got a 3.6 ERA in AAA. Last year at AA, he had a 4.75. And the year before at single A, he had a 4.91. So what's going on there? Well, he's given up a lot of home runs this year. So pretty much what it tells me is this. He's not really given up a lot of hits. But when he is, a lot of them are hit very, very hard. And he strikes out a lot of guys. But when they don't strike out, again, they're hitting the ball very, very hard. Um, So – I don't know what to do with that because that scares me a little bit being in the ballpark that they're in to where you're going to try to continue to work on kind of the home run prevention, I guess. But at the same point in time, there is some point where, you know, the he's done enough at the you know minor league level and it's time to give him a try at the major. So, yeah, I would like to see him up and see how he could do at the major league level. Like you said, the Reds need pitching. They need uh, more youth infusement coming up at the same point in time because they're not contending if they want to wait till, you know, uh, August or something to call him up to the majors, then I think that would make sense to me too. Yeah. I, I'd like to see it happen just simply because we feel like the Reds aren't necessarily in that competitive edge. So to me, it makes sense. If you're playing fantasy though, this is a guy to keep your eye on because the K per nine category will be heavily influenced by this kid. The other one that may not necessarily influence the K per nine as much as he will in your ERA and whip category 
is Gavin Williams, a prospect for the Cleveland Guardians. He has been unbelievable in AAA. Um, yeah, a 1.58 ERA overall in 40 innings pitch, 56 strikeouts. He's allowed only seven earned runs so far this season. Derek, you own him in fantasy. Are you just kind of sitting waiting to put the addition to the actual starting lineup right now? Yeah, I, I almost thought that he was going to have a chance to come up here uh, when they had the game started by, uh, oh gosh, I'm missed, uh, Hunter or whatever. Um, Gaddis, Gaddis, there we go. Gattis, the there we go yeah. last name. Uh, I was wondering if that was going to be his spot, but it didn't really make sense because if they did, they were probably going to have to yo-yo him. Like they've got Tristan McKenzie and, you know, some of these guys coming back soon here to where you would have had a full up roster. I expect him to be on the major league roster at some point this year, just everywhere he's gone at the minor league level. You're talking about a sub two five ERA, 1.4 ERA at high A, 2.31 ERA at double A in 2022, 0.63 ERA this year at double A, 2.1 ERA now at triple A. The K rate the last two years has been basically 12 and a half or higher. His first year was 13.4. He's just a really, really good pitcher. He's someone I'm really excited for. That stuff plus number that I I alluded to earlier, uh, among pitchers at the triple A level, the number one pitcher this year was Mason Miller at 139. Bobby Miller was second at 124. Mike Burrows third, and then Gavin Williams fourth at 120 and a half. So he's got good stuff. Uh, obviously, being in the the Guardians organization, they've done well with pitchers. I'm all about Gavin Williams. Yeah, I am as well. And, and just the efficiency overall, you mentioned Mason Miller. I kind of go down the same trajectory, the same path of how I discovered him in our league. Um, Gavin Williams has been discovered for a while just simply because of the success in previous years too. He, he's a top prospect for a reason. So I think that there's going to be some serious hype when he comes up too. Um, and rightfully so he's in an organization that knows how to develop starting pitching. So that I think just adds intrigue for me as well. Okay. We're going to move on here and Derek, uh, we're going to look back really quickly at some of our previous picks here. We had a parlay or poor where we decided to pick games in bets specifically uh, for a weekend. That was a month ago. And uh, the result was that I picked four or five correctly and you picked two or five correctly. This just shows how difficult this season has been to pick what we thought were absolute luck. So with that in mind, Derek, you owe us, because of the differential, two drinks in the very next – you can do it right now if you want. Let's let all right. I'm watching it happen as we speak. There's one, and there's two. Derek, I've I've lost most of these punishments in the past. Congratulations! <laughs> I think this is your first one that you've actually lost. How do you feel? Mm, uh, I feel better because I got to drink some more Yingling. So it <laughs> It'll probably make you make better decisions than what we made collectively. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I mean, I just I feel worse about the idea that. Um, on the red like the reason i didn't have a winning record is because i lost on the reds losing to the a's which the reds are not a good team but really to the a's come on ken waldachuk has struggled this year that's that's a rough one to lose yeah the way that this thing went down i picked these games correctly the angels over the a's where shohei was facing jp sears that was pretty obvious had the twins over the royals derek had this one as well it was pablo lopez over jordan lyles who's been absolutely terrible lyles is awful um, arguably the worst pitcher right now in baseball. Uh, the first incorrect and the only incorrect I had was the Astros over the Phillies, Christian Javier over Bailey Falter. I, I did not see that one coming considering Javier no hit him in the World Series. So that was a little weird to me. Uh, then the Blue Jays over the Mariners. That was Kevin Gosman, who's been amazing this year over Marco Gonzalez. And then the Twins over the Royals again. 
I am hounding the Royals all season long. It was Joe Ryan over Brady Singer. That one felt pretty obvious. On Derek's end, he had picked the Giants over the Cardinals, which was Webb over Mike Liss. That's tough. I mean, that's really tough. That was pretty much at the start of when the Cardinals maybe were turning the corner just a little bit. Um, and then he had the Dodgers over the Pirates, which is Arias over Keller. And looking at it now, Keller has been unbelievable. Yeah. He's been really, really good. So I think at that time, it seemed like that was almost a lock. It's kind of flipped. Arias has fallen off. Keller is improving. Then you have the Twins over the Royals, as I mentioned. He had the Padres over the Giants, correct? It was Joe Musgrove that he was pointing out. It's turned out Musgrove ain't that good. It was a 16-11 to 11 game um, that the uh, the Padres won. And then finally, Derek, as you mentioned, he picked Lodolo over Waldachuk, and, and somehow that just didn't work out. Yeah, I, I might have forgot that that Saturday game was in Mexico City, so that might have impacted the score. The pitchers really didn't matter, but I uh, it worked either way. Got the win. It worked. It worked. Well, before we go, we're going to quickly – scan our fantasy roundtable here this is something where we're going to discuss what the heck is going on just to sum it up simply Derek and I are not doing well this season mm. and we delayed our cheers for this one reason because it's been a painful start so Derek cheers to not being in dead last <laughs> to not being in dead last because he is in eighth place and I am in ninth place in our 10 team Keeper fantasy baseball league. So Derek, real quickly, what has worked for you and what hasn't worked for you thus far? Well, not much. That's for sure. <laughs> Actually, my my team has has done a pretty good job hitting. Um, you know, you look up and down the roster, and I'm comfortable with the lineup, but certainly I've had guys that I expect to be better struggle. Andres Jimenez has really struggled. Julio Rodriguez has really struggled so far this season. It, it's been. What's really killed me has been uh, streaming pitchers. I've done horribly at streaming pitchers. And, you know, last year I had one of the best pitching staffs in the league. This year it fell off a little bit, and I've been trying to cover up with streaming pitchers. I since have just decided that, you know what, I'm just going to deal with what I have on my roster. It won't be the best pitching staff, but I'm not going to ruin it even worse by streaming pitchers. So I'm hoping it goes okay. I do think I've had a little bit of bad luck in there. Uh, we totaled up what the Roto standings would be last week, and I would have been in third. Instead, I'm in eighth right now. So I do think I've been a little bit – had a little bit of an unfriendly schedule. Feels like every team I play every week hits close to, like, 300 and hasn't worked out. Maybe that's just going to be my luck this year. Maybe it's just one of those years that it's not going to go my way. But I'm hopeful that I can at least just sneak into the playoffs and hope something crazy happens. But, yeah, I mean um, – Streaming pitchers has not worked out for me. I feel like I haven't had a good set of relievers this year. Maybe I didn't invest in the right ones uh, coming into the year. And then some of the guys that I was kind of counting on to do well haven't really worked out. This year for me, I, I've been going on a rebuilding year. And so I kind of have to accept where I'm at at the moment. I still feel like I have a team that's capable of doing better than what it's been doing. But I have just been so aggressive with adding the hot bats and subtracting the ones that aren't. And, and honestly, it hasn't really burned me. It's just that my guys aren't that good. And the guys that have been healthy, that, that's been great. But most of my successful players are hurt right now. O'Neill Cruz was a guy that I was really counting on. He's out for the majority of the year. I had Mason Miller as a pickup. He's out for a while too. And then you look at Reese Hoskins, really tough start there. And then on top of that, my team has like 13 prospects. And so none of them seem to have been called up yet. I'm waiting on Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, you know, I was hoping Andrew Painter would have a chance to play this year. And he also gets hurt like two days after I draft him. Um, then I get Kumar Rocker, who's now out 
after you know having to get Tommy John. So it's been that kind of year for me where I'm just sitting here like, what is going on? Um, Oscar Colas, I still have faith in. He's a prospect that I own. I have a little bit of faith in Vaughn Grissom. Um, and then I'm just hoping that my young guys like Andy Rodriguez can turn a quarter. I need uh, guys like Luis Angel Acuna to maybe have a chance to come up. Who's been hitting pretty well in triple or in double A, I believe is in right now. Um, he's stolen like 20 bases. And so is Sedan Raffaella, who's also on my team. Um, the guy that I need to really clean it up in the minors is Diego Cartaya because I'm kind of relying on him. And, and, and on top of that, it's the youth, you know, at my current roster too. So I, I'm just kind of sitting here waiting, twiddling, wondering why is Casey Schmidt my best hitter? So, uh, you know, that's, that's been the big issue. Um, the last questions that I have for you here, Derek, pretty simply because we are running out of time. It's, when you look at players to target to help you that you've got on your team at the moment, um, who have you kind of looked at and who are, who's staying on your roster that you're expecting will help you? And uh, who are you staying away from now from the lessons you've learned? Yeah. Um, so I definitely need more starting pitching. I, I think that's always important, but that's tough this year, man. The the starting pitching injuries have just racked up across the league, I think is making it harder for teams like myself to maybe find more plentiful options in that regard so trying to stick with the good starting pitchers you have i'm hoping gavin williams comes up and, and that can certainly help it there and then yeah sticking with you know just riding it out with julio rodriguez and hoping a hot streak comes but it's tough when do you say enough like a guy like andres jimenez with julio, julio rodriguez the prospect pedigree the superstardom all that stuff you stick with it with andres jimenez who you know had, had like a top 50 fantasy season last year and was a top 100 player coming in this year do you cut ties at some point soon do you let him go Right now, I'm trying to be patient, but you run out of time, and pretty soon, I'm going to have to start selling some veterans for younger guys, for some of these prospects that we've kind of been talking about if things don't turn around in, in maybe a week or two here. So uh, it is tough, and it, it kind of just depends because otherwise you're targeting prospects. But if you are going for players to win right now, I'm almost looking for just pitchers or guys that I can just ride a wave with to kind of keep me afloat till some of my you know current guys hopefully pick it back up. Yeah, there you go. I, I think the safe answer pretty easily. Both of us are kind of saying the same thing at the moment, which is streaming pitchers is very dangerous. It's always been a dangerous game. Um, if you've got the good pitching, stick with the good pitching. And keep an eye on the players that we mentioned, too, because quite frankly, those guys can turn your year around if you make a good, solid pickup of a young player. But with that being said, that is the conclusion of our time here on Booze and Baseball. We'll be back in two weeks, though, and we will address your questions as well in our next mailbag. But until then, on behalf of Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Thanks again for pulling up a bar stool and hanging with us. Let's grab a drink again. As I mentioned, in two weeks, we will talk to you again then. Cheers. <laughs>